Welcome to the Defend the North podcast. I'm your co-host, Dana Eisfeld. I'm joined tonight by Cousin Isaac. And Isaac, boy, did we have some fun last night. Timberwolves knocking off the LA Clippers 109-104 in downtown Minneapolis at the Target Center. I'd argue that was the best Timberwolves game since 2004. I don't know if game three of the 2018 playoffs down 2-0 knowing we were probably already out of it against the Rockets, can go up against what we saw last night. Okay, but what about another game that that year when we played the Denver Nuggets right at the end of the season? Kind of the, 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 two, the, the, the pre-play-in tournament? Yeah, but it basically yeah, tournament it game. the same deal. Yeah. That was exciting because it did have a leave or go home, or you know, you're in or go home kind of feel. But well, and crowd, we were there, right? We were there, but the crowd last <laughs> night, and I we we unfortunately tried to get tickets a couple of weeks back, but it was already sold out, and a lot going on with with my family and life in general. So it just we decided to watch it from home. But I oh. don't, I I I think that there's a buzz with this team that that 2018 team never had because Agreed. of of the discord between Jimmy Butler and everybody. Right. Yeah. I mean, that was just visible back back then. It was like, this is cool or winning, but it almost like seemed like it wasn't going to last. And I don't mean even that Jimmy Butler was going to leave. It's just like, it didn't seem like it was going to get much better at any point. Like we kind of reached our ceiling. Whereas this team, it's like, it's, it's exciting and we do a lot of fun stuff. We also do a lot of weird and stupid stuff. And so it's like, I mean, I don't think we're hitting our ceiling. I don't think we'll probably hit that this year, but just to be able to watch these young guys like kind of grow in the moment and and, like step up to the plate and have like the crowd back, you know, backing them. And like, you know, you know how you kind of can like hear with the wonder wall when you're watching Minnesota United. When the wonder wall, like is Is, the wonder wall. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, Like I could feel that watching this Timberwolves game at like with how target center was rocking, like you could feel the buzz. And so it would have been, I bet that game was amazing to be at. And I wish we could have been there, but it was, I think it'll just like almost equally as fun watching it from my couch. Yeah, no, last night was, I got to say like, it was not the best basketball game, but it was, I, I just had my, my, my phone, like, you know, luckily the game was a little bit later. So for me with two toddlers that actually works out <laughs> because like they, by the time the game started, they were basically in bed yeah. and I was able to like really lock in and, you know, I got Facebook messenger. I got my text. I got my WhatsApp. Hell, I had people on Snapchat (laughs) sending me stuff like, um, and you know, it was just one of those nights. Like it's one of those nights when you're a hardcore fan, like that you can just sit back and appreciate the fact that we've doubled our wins in a single season that Mm. we, we, we scratch our way into the playoffs. And I talked to my neighbor and, 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 and huge basketball friend fan Tyler about this. Like, just the fact that, like, I wanted this to be a little bit of a test. I did. I didn't want us to come in and, like, because I knew the Clippers were going to be um, a team to be reckoned with. Like, they, yeah. Paul George is back. They're, they were an eight seed at 42 and 20. But really, if George, even if we put Kawhi to the side, if George had been there most of the year, this is probably a four or five seed. Like, that, yeah, that, that's a good team. With, with experience in the playoffs, also very capable of choking, <clears throat> as they did last <laughs> night. But. <laughs> You know the point he made was just like, I think we, I think we, we, we can sit back and 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 say to ourselves like, it's about damn time. 
It's about damn time. Ain't that right? Yeah. Oh, just the excitement and the gratitude, like just, just to get the satisfaction from that game. It was like, you know, all those years of pain and suffering paying off in, in one game basically. And I realize it's just a play-in game, but man, like to have a win like that when we've only had one playoff win in the last 18 years, like I love it. Hey, play in Although, champs, baby. Play in champs. champs. Hey, hey, you know what though? I was like really worried coming into the game because you know that that text I sent you about who the referee just so happened I got assigned to our game was uh, Ed Ed Malloy, right? And who who was the crew chief? Scott Foster. Scott Foster. Yeah. So like I I saw he was assigned. It's like oh great, he's like notorious supposedly for you know bad bad refing during our games. Um, that, you know, lead us to really like frustrating, frustrating games. And so I sent you that. And then <laughs> you sent me not too much later in the night, um, some stats that kind of backed up that whole, that whole saying. So it, it says here that Ed Malloy ref games, uh, with the Clippers, they ranked third in free throws attempted per game. Um, and when you ref games for the Wolves, the Wolves ranked 27th in free throws. And then doubling down on that with uh, the other guy you brought up, Scott Foster. Um, ref games for the Clippers, they ranked second in free throws. And for the Wolves, they ranked 29th in free throws with games ref by Scott Foster. It's like, oh my goodness. Like, is, is this game a setup? <laughs> so Do they want us to lose? <laughs> as, I, as I said in a couple of my text threads, I did not want to have a baked-in excuse going into that game in the event yeah. that we lost. However... Yeah. The trepidation that I felt, having seen those stats and kind of knowing the history of those two referees with the Timberwolves franchise, I kind of don't blame him with Towns with the way he bitches and just loses composure. But that was a major narrative going into the game. And then, you know, we were texting about that at 3, 4, 5 p.m. By 9.30, man, I was up in arms. In part because I couldn't believe what the hell Towns was doing. (laughs) But in part because I'm like, are you kidding me? Like this, but it, the, 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 the juxtapositions between the way that that game was called in the first half and the second half was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Complete turnaround. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. I mean, I, I agree with you on the whole towns thing and how he just, you know, complains the whole time to refs and it's just, it's really annoying to watch, but also at the same time, like depending how you look at it, it's really annoying to watch it on the other end where say, you know, cats getting double teamed and being like, they're playing very physical with them, which is smart. Like, cause he freaks out, but also like there's several fouls they could be calling and that, that those double team actions that he's seeing. And yet you have PG on the other side going to the hoop and literally shoving off of McDaniels and he gets a foul call. And it's, it's so like, like, I don't want to see cat, you know, bitching and complaining. Like, I don't want to see that ever. But you, you got to say he's got somewhat of a point, whether he needs to actually say it during the game on the court or not. It's really frustrating to see him just get destroyed, you know, every single game, especially in the game like last night. And yet you, you see other people get foul calls and they like barely get touched. Okay. So last night, Carl Anthony Towns, likely third team all NBA this year, possibly second team, an all star. Mm-hmm. The, you know, I don't, as I've talked about before, I don't know if he's a leader of this team, but he is certainly the best basketball player in his seventh year. He plays 24 minutes, goes three for 11 from the field, 0 for 7 in the first half, 
scores 11 points, has a minus 14 plus minus, and fouls out with seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter and doesn't play for long stretches in the second or third because of foul trouble. And clearly, the Clippers and Ty Lue had a plan. And the plan was, like, Towns isn't going to beat us, which we'll get to later on about, like, how in some ways, like, this inspires me in terms of our potential. So they drape, you know, they they basically, they put a wing defender on him in Batum. And they're dropping Zubach to the basket, and then they're bringing help, and they're covering him, and they're sending double and triple teams to him. And they're being, as you said, very physical the entire first first half, and really the first quarter from the onset. But, and, and, and so, like, I get that, you know, Towns probably has some grievances in terms of calls that could have been made, but two things can't result as of that. Number one that you lose your composure and then start following guys in very obvious ways when you've already complained to the refs and they know that you're a bitcher and they know that you're prone to foul calls and it's a it's a crew that is calling a lot of fouls, like you gotta rise above that. Mm-hmm. And two, like he just it wasn't just about the fouls. He lost his composure. It affected mm-hmm. his shot making. He didn't make a fir- he didn't make a, a a a basket in the entire first half for the first time in like I, I read it today. I don't know if it was like four or five years. And he was turning the ball over and he wasn't making the right pass. And it was just like they completely discombobulated him with a little bit of pressure. And it's like, Towns, this is the playoffs. Like, this mm-hmm. is what's coming. Like, Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams in Memphis? Like, good luck if this is the way that you're going to respond to fucking Nicholas Batum. So, yeah. I, well, we'll see how Memphis plays them. I mean, uh, I, I, I feel like if they follow the blueprint that LA laid out here, then it's possible. It, it could be, it could be nasty. And, and, you know, for the record, I don't want to like the, like, I'm not saying that if he would have got some falls called his way, like it would have changed his game around. Like I'm not defending his awful play. Like he needs to be more poised, um, being, you know, seven years in the league and, um, having, you know, one of the, the few players on the team with actual like playoff experience, you know, outside of, what D'Lo and Pat Bev, um, like you got to show more than that, especially being the best player on this team. So yeah, I don't like you. You nailed it on the head with the poise and everything. He just freaked out every time he got double teamed. I I think he possibly has a better chance with Memphis, um, just because we've seen it in the, in the regular season. Now again, it, we're gonna we're gonna see when once someone like actually game plans a seven game series against him, what that looks like, and that could be kind of the uh, game over piece, but. Um, if you just look at like season stats, it kind of backs up with the Clippers. Like Cat only averaged like 15 points a game against the Clippers in the regular season, 42% shooting, 30, 33% from three point line. But against Memphis, he's he's a good old Cat. 23 points a game, nine rebounds, 52% field goal, 38% three point. So like, if we see that Cat, like he'll be fine. Like he's the same cap, but it's it's the question mark of yeah, how does Memphis game plan against them? Do they repeat the Clippers game plan? And if so, does Cat actually learn from it and respond to it better, or do we get kind of the Cat that we had like a year or two ago? And then what happened to regular season Cat? Like, is he just gone in the playoffs? Because I mean, we we watched him against the Houston Rockets in 2018 too, and he wasn't he didn't rise to the occasion there either. So I mean. Is it possible he's just not – he's someone that just can't be poised for the playoffs, which that really sucks for your your best player, right? 
Yeah, I mean, that's Isaac. That's the question with Cat. I I was hoping to start with like the positives of the game last night, but I do think that <laughs> Towns is our best player, and the way that he showed up. I mean, but you know what? If that was his that if that was his stinker of a game, if yeah. that was his his uh, his mulligan, and you know, like you're right, the Clippers all year have game planned well against him. Like Ty Lue, just he's. What he what he basically said going into this game is I'm not going to let Towns beat us and we still beat him, which yeah. says a lot about this team. And that you know I was listening to Finch this morning on the radio give a um, an interview with Paul Allen and you know he he kind of said that was what we were expecting, but I still think Towns could have done a better job of maintaining his composure. Mm-hmm. And I get it, a couple of the fouls were you know could have been called um, against the defender or against the offensive player if he was on defense but those fifth and sixth fouls where he charged the guy after pushing the guy off very clearly on the three-point line and they, then that over the back rebound like they should have they should have gave him fall five and six on that that charge because he yeah he pushed the one guy over and then he just lowered his shoulder and bulldozed the other guy too like he should have just taken a seat and never came back in the game at that point <laughs> but you know he needs to stop calling himself the mvp I, I get it. I like the swaggy wolves. I like the fact that Pat Bev and Ant have like instilled a sense of like we can be better than what we've been, and that's what you need to turn around a franchise. I think, in addition to talent and good coaching and depth, that's yeah. what you need to turn around. What so you know and but but like he's not all the way there, and so sometimes like some of his shenanigans in the last half season have a little bit outpaced what this Timberwolves team has actually done on the court in terms of meaningful basketball play. And that's where I think like referees with a guy like Paul George, he's been there. He's been there with three different teams and granted he hasn't been to the finals, but he's consistently a guy, you know, when he's healthy, who is at the top of the league, who's played in many playoff games and he's going to get calls. And, you know, he probably committed 10 fouls himself last night and got called for what, uh, let's see here. Uh, four. And he probably deserved nine or ten with the way he was pushing off on Timberwolves defenders. But, you know, (laughs) Cat's got to get to that level before he's going to get that kind of credit. And until he does that, he's got to figure out how to maneuver, how to adjust his game so that guys don't get into his head, so that the refing doesn't get into his head, and so that he can be the cat that we know and love and enjoy. And we if he plays well, like this team can can make a run. But we're not going to win a playoff series expecting you know, D'Angelo Russell and, and, and I don't think we are at least Anthony Edwards to play the way they did last night. So final thoughts on towns before we move on. Um, I just, I'm just surprised no one's taught him how to like move yet. Like just going off the falls thing. Like it's really hard for, I think refs to call falls for him. Cause like, he's just like naturally floppy. Like, he just moves around a lot. So I think that's, like, another piece where it's, like, it's hard. Like, he doesn't get a lot of fouls called because he's, like, always... He always looks like he's getting fouled, whether he is or not. And so I'm just surprised that's not something that, like, someone tries to teach him. But I guess that's that could be a much larger conversation. I don't know. My thoughts are... I I, I really think it's an off game. Um, we'll see how Memphis plans against them. And, and if they don't, like good luck because he's done really well against them so far. He seems to do fine against Steven Adams and Jaron Jackson. And a lot of the national media has said like, good luck facing those two, but they must not have looked at the stats from the season. Um, 
because he's fared pretty well against them. But it all depends on the game plan for me. Like, is the game plan going to be the same as the Clippers? And is Towns going to actually adapt and learn and, you know, help and be the, the team? Be the guy that we expect him to be. Like, not right. every night, but you can't have a performance like last night. Like, last right. night, the fact that we won that game with the way that he played was a small miracle. <laughs> so, with that, Isaac, I'm going to ask you this. So, we did win that game. And we had two perimeter players that combined for 59 points in D'Angelo Russell and, and, and Anthony Edwards. In our last podcast, I think we both made the point, or one of us made the point, and the other one agreed that you know we expected consistency from talent. Well, that didn't freaking happen. But <laughs> but we thought that you know one of the two was gonna have to be great in terms of Edwards and Russell, and the other one at least very good. Yeah. They were both great last night. Yeah. What did you see in terms of those two guys leading the charge and leading the Timberwolves into the playoffs for the second time in the last 18 years? Well, I feel like they, they picked and, and, and choose great spots to be hot. Like D'Lo started off the game really cold, um, was honestly nowhere to be seen. I was frightened if the whole game was going to go that way. But luckily Ant, right off the bat, like he drove to the hoop, was aggressive, got that quick two, and then he hit a couple threes to, to get going. And it's like, okay, all right. We got we got Ant going here, um, and he kind of like he started us going in the in the first quarter, and then you get to the second and third quarter, and D'Lo just made some big big plays, and it like it really didn't. I mean, it seemed it was still D'Lo's game, but it's it's so weird how you can like watch him, and if he's playing well, it doesn't feel like hero ball, but if he's playing bad, it's like you just constantly you like you then go right to why is he playing hero ball? But luckily he was on last night. And he just made some really big shots. Um, so I think they just did great shot, get a great job of like picking and choosing their moments to be hot. Because um, then at the end, like Ant took it home. But that was it. That was it, right? Like the fact that you know Russell went ten for eighteen from the field, Edwards ten for twenty one. They combined for eight for or eight for sixteen from three point range. Yeah. And you know, in, in a night. You know, in, in addition to the bench, but in a night where your top star goes down and you need a young guy and a guy that has had a very checkered career in terms of, I guess, at least it's the perception of who he can be in terms of an elite NBA player with Russell. He was everything you wanted last night. That was all-star D'Angelo Russell. Yeah. And that was, you know, Ant, given the league notice, you know, when the lights turn on, baby, I'm going to shine. <laughs> and you just got to love the fact that, like, you know, your best guy goes down. And in, in part, you know, the, it was the refs. And in part, it was the game plan against him. And so, you know, Ty Luce says, all right, rest of the Timberwolves, you're going to knock us off. It's going to have to be those guys. And they did it. And that yeah. was the most impressive part. Like, I texted you at halftime. I'm like, man, like, I just don't know if Edwards has. Because you said... Maybe it wasn't halftime. It was like the middle of the second half. We were down by eight or 10. And you were like, this is a really good moment for Ant to take over. And he didn't take over. And that was kind of the beauty of it is that he found his spot, as you're saying. And there was one thing that I was thinking about this morning when I woke up. As a second year guy who's 20 years old, who's been playing basketball for like seven or eight years, who's a football player. Yeah. Number one, his shot. Like just like how well he shoots the jumper compared to even two years ago and confident which, and the confidence. But number two, 
he let the game come to him. He scored, you know, he scores 30 points, but he, and he takes 21 shots. He makes five or six three um, free throws, but there were so many times when he hit the ball at the top of the key or at the elbow and he drives into the lane and like, you know, there, there, he was being contended and he made the right pass. He made the right basketball play. Mm. He, and, and, you know, Finch was talking about this this morning on the radio. Like he was, he wasn't worried that Ant wouldn't show up for the moment. What he was worried about was that Ant would show too much for the moment mm. in terms of, and he, but he, but it was sort of the, the, just the right mix of like his athleticism and his enthusiasm, but also reading the game a little bit, like, and remaining composed. And that was as a second year guy who's 20 years old, comparing that to towns, <laughs> that was the thing that really stuck out to me when I woke up this morning and thought about last night's game in addition yeah. to Russell, but I, I kind of am, am beginning to really, so maybe we could talk about him for a minute. Um, D'Angelo has been your guy. Mm-hmm. Guys love him on the media or they hate him. But last night he showed something and he's showing it, I think throughout the year. So what was it about D'Angelo Russell last night that impressed you most? Yeah. I mean, for, he was just like, overall, he was way better than I even never thought he would be like, even for him to score close to 30 points. Um, I kind of see him more as like the 20 points, eight assist guy. So for him to step up even in a larger way, was, was really cool to see. Um, he just seemed like he's he's a very he's a very slithery type of player and he like is really relaxed when he does it which I think was nice because we we didn't really see that with him in the first quarter and that's the part I was like starting to get worried about was oh is this going to be one of Delo's games where he's just like non-existent and he's missing everything um but he he just really settled down and he you know he just along with Ant like like you said like Ant let the game come to him and like so did Delo um he had like a lot of good drives and he had some really big threes. Uh, I think he only took one um, like dribble down and, and pull up three, uh, which I feel like he normally takes a few of those a game, but he actually nailed the one he did take, which was a huge moment when he did do it. Um, so just to have like that poison and leadership offensively. Cause I mean, we knew we knew who was bringing it on the defensive end, which I'm sure we'll talk about that guy in a bit, but um, it was just nice to have, kind of that switch off between D'Lo and Ant so that like really neither one had the entire pressure on them. Like they were able to switch off and, and, and take turns um, kind of leading the offense. So he was, he was just, yeah, I, he was really just picking his moments. I mean, that's, that's kind of like the main part that was great about him. And he was, he happened to be hitting his shots this game. So we'll see if he can keep doing it in the playoffs, because if, if we got a guy like this, I think D'Lo is really our X factor. Um, in terms of how well we do, um, and I'm not saying we're going to beat Memphis, but to make it like a really good series, we need D'Lo locked in. Um, I feel like Ant and Cat's going to be there to some degree, which we were wrong about Cat this last game. But um, to have more games like that from D'Lo is going to prove huge for this team. Yeah, so I really walked away from that game thinking to myself, like Jonathan Kaminga and Andrew Wiggins and and then you know we've got Delo and I'm like you know maybe that trade wasn't so bad. If he's a guy that can play like that to lead your team into the playoffs in the play-in tournament when your number one scorer and your best player basically you know mails it in for the day, yeah. like that's that's pretty invaluable. And also, like how nice is it to have 
a point guard that can actually like score. Like how many of how many of those players can you like have we had in the past? Well, the Timberwolves not very many, but I think right. in the league at large, like no, I'm just we, saying Timberwolves. Like yeah, league league we know we've had guards, but Timberwolves have always been lacking at a guard that can actually put the ball in the hoop. Is he underrated or overrated? I would 100 percent say underrated. That's kind of been my narrative all year. I think people. I mean, you can you can listen to like national media. Um, I don't need to name any names, but uh, just constantly down on his game, which like at times I get it. At times it does really feel and seem like hero ball. Like I, I, I get that. But I think, I think there is a little bit of a mindset change with this guy. I mean, as many years he's been in the league now, I think he's a little more than just like out there gaming. I think he, he actually like, really enjoys this team he's playing with and, you know, the brothers that they've built on this team. Um, so I just, I don't know. I, I think in, in the right system, like, like this one that he's currently in, I think he's got a chance to really prove people wrong. And I feel like he did that last night, but people are still not giving him credit. <laughs> so you got to keep doing it, man. He's, he's got to keep proving it. Yeah. This can't be, and- this can't be a one-off game. You know, and I think the Timberwolves need to have a good showing against Memphis. And I, I think the Timberwolves can beat the Grizzlies. Yeah. I I know they have home court, and I know they're the two seed. You know, you were talking about how the Clippers played us all year in their scheming. We played well against the Clip or the the um, the Grizzlies the entire season. They've been really good matchups. I think it's going to be what did uh, um, uh, Finch called it a food. It's going to be a food fight. It's going to be it's going to be a middle school cafeteria food fight. Like, and you look at the rosters. You know, you start looking at the rosters of these two these two teams, Isaac, and we're both young and athletic. And I think we have more talent at the top. I think they have a little bit more depth. They have the best player. Yeah. But he, you know, he's coming off an injury. You know, um, with kind of a tweaked knee. Edwards was as well. Um. In the last, I'd say, six to eight weeks of the season, Edwards, you know, for the most part, wasn't Edwards, but he sure seemed like Edwards last night. And <laughs> and 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 Morant, you know, we'll talk about him a little bit later on. But um, before we get to the Memphis matchup, there's a couple of more things I think we need to talk about in terms of last night's game. So my my friend Andrew Clemens texted me this morning and said, "Have you bought an, a Pat Bev jersey yet?" <laughs> I have not. I have not. I haven't actually bought one <clears throat> since Jimmy Butler. Oh, rip. I have bought some other Timberwolves paraphernalia. <laughs> but Pat Bev, I mean, you got to love him. If I was playing against him, I'd hate him. Yeah, we said that at the start. Yeah, and, you know, he's he's just he's been the heart and soul of this team. And I think, you know... I think Russell and Edwards' play is what pushed us through last night, but Beverly's setting the tone. Yeah. You know, he's the hockey enforcer. He's yeah. the guy out there making, you know, all, doing all the intangibles. And, you know, what, what was his line last night? Seven points, three assists, 11 rebounds. Hello. Um, Only two of four from the free throw line, one of five from three, two of eight from the field. So not a huge impact offensively. I mean, he did make a couple of big shots, but he was in the middle of everything. Yeah. And so he continues to like prove his value. And, you know, at the beginning of the year, I don't know if you remember, we were talking about like 
who are the two starting guards? And we're like, is it a Kogi? You know, is it <laughs> is it Beasley? And, you know, Beverly, no question. Yeah. In that starting lineup. So what I mean, did we're you not, see? We're not, we're not where we are right here. We're not, we're not playing in this playing game. We're not winning this playing game without him setting that tone from the get-go. I mean, this, this team has a whole new attitude compared to previous years, and you have to attribute that to some point. To Pat Bev, like it might be a bit of Finch, but it's definitely Pat Bev. Like they've got just a little more swagger to him. So just that ability, like the ability for him to bring that in, regardless of you know, yeah, the, the box score doesn't look great for him. But if you watch the game, he had his fingerprints all over that game. He was in people's heads. He was hustling. Um, you know, he even hit a really big shot that didn't count, but. I think it was enough to like keep the keep like the crowd jazz. Did you see that one? The like the shot off like one foot right at the yeah the end of the shot clock. Yeah, I mean it didn't count, but it was like no, it counted for like two minutes and then they well, waved right. it off. Yeah, they took they took it back. Oh, yeah. I hate that. I hate when they give us points and then take it. It's like what Google does when you're in the middle of a soccer game and a team's leading, <laughs> and if the team's leading, they will add like the three points for winning the game to their total yeah, se- season total. It's like no, don't do that. Like. Like, but I can me, do. Like, let me do my own math. I can I can figure it out, and then that way I'm not confused and feel like my team's doing way better than yeah. they are or something. Yeah. But he did but, hit that. He did hit that shot that didn't count. So. Yeah. So I yeah I mean Pat Bev deserves all the praise um, for this team. Like, hundred percent. He's he's the reason we're here. He's the reason we're at, we're where we're at. Where we're about to play Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I think especially, and this is what I like about like you go up and down, up and down Memphis's roster, and um, man, I had it up on Google. What the hell? <laughs> it's not there anymore. But anyway, like <laughs> Stephen Adams, how old do you think he is? Oh, 31? 28. He's he's that young. I mean, yeah. Wow. I, he's been in the league for like, it seems like, well, it doesn't, whenever it's like a really big guy that looks like he could have thrived during the Neanderthal age. Right. Like it's easy to think that, you know, he's older than he is. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. he he's 28 and the rest of their team, they're all in their, in their early, they're, they're 25 or under basically. Jeez. And you know, that's one of the advantages. I think that we, they don't have any playoff experience. They did make the playoffs last year, I believe, but um, did they not? Didn't they beat, the Warriors to get into the first round and then yeah. got knocked out. Yeah. So, yeah. um, but you got a guy like Pat Bev and, you know, he's been there and done that and he's 33 and, you know, like it, it, I just, I think there's a potential for him to have an, an even bigger impact. And I couldn't agree more. Like he has a huge part in why this team is where they are. And it started, you know, from training camp when, when, yeah. when I, I, you made that point um, a few months ago to me about like, he made every player say out loud, like, what's your role on this team? Mm-hmm. So he's kind of like a coach. And, you know, he's a, he's a, I think he's, um, I don't want to call him Finch's eyes and ears on the court, but he's certainly a guy that Finch knows is going to hold other guys accountable. And he's going to do everything he can on every play that he can to put us in a position to be successful. And, um, that's something I think that's rubbing off on these younger guys too. So Vanderbilt, McDaniel's, and Reed. So three mm. of the of the the unheralded young guys, um, yeah. you know, undrafted, end of the first round, guys coming into the league with you know um, 
lot of questions about how they could contribute, and yet all three of them did last night. Who jumps out the most to you from that group in terms of what they did against the Clippers in that five-point victory last night? Uh, I mean, against the Clippers, I would say probably Nas Reed, but that's because he was like forced into a bigger role than he was than he like than anyone was expecting because of Cat's fall trouble. Um, but I thought he stepped in and did it admirably. Like I don't, I don't think his stat line was that great necessarily. Um, but I don't, you know, I don't know how much you weigh plus minus into things. But he had the best plus minus on the team of seventeen plus seventeen. Um, so he came in and like you, you could just tell like, I don't know. He he just he was much more poised than than Cat was. I know he wasn't getting doubled or had the same attention to him um, on offense like cat does but he was just in there like playing hard playing big like he wasn't backing away he, he wasn't shying away from from the big moment so i would say he was really great um it's hard with vando and mcdaniels because i feel like they did really good as well but they kind of had the task of guarding pg which looked really good in the first quarter um because i think they held them to like two for ten um shooting um but then, you know, PG kind of went off in the third quarter and ended up having like 34 points. So he still got his. Um, but I still think McDaniels and Vanderbilt did really good against them. I just think Nas Reed getting forced into a much larger role than expected was, that's who I tip my cap to. Yeah. And, you know, we talked about in the offseason and at the trade deadline how much we needed another center. And, you know, Greg Monroe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Monroe. <laughs> but maybe, you know, you know, Reed's defense has improved, and he's been a good offensive player for this team for a couple of years now. But yeah. coming in last night and giving us 21 minutes, and like you're right, he didn't fill the stat sheet. I think it was eight points, four rebounds, but he was just kind of like when Towns went out and he came in, he he just he solidified things. And you yeah. know, Ty Lue said after the game, the Timberwolves played better, especially in the second half with Towns off the court. Yeah. At the at the point that he was compromised, like you know, Zubac could just go at him down in the paint, and like Towns really couldn't do anything once he had four fouls in the fourth or five fouls, or in the third, and and four fouls in the in the third and five fouls in the fourth. So, you know, Reed yeah. coming in and and playing that good defense was huge. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't really think we need Tyluta to tell us that. I feel like it was pretty noticeable watching the game. Like whenever Cat wasn't on the court, it did seem like we were playing much better. Which, which like made me not feel as bad that he was in fall of trouble. So it was like, we're doing better things with him on the bench. So maybe it's actually a good thing he's in fall of trouble. Well, yeah. I mean, I think but long term. <laughs> Just for that game. Just for that yeah, game. Yeah, for that game. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, Vanderbilt um, finishes with a typical Vanderbilt line. Two shots, uh, three <laughs> points, ten rebounds. I mean, it's it's like Dennis Rodman light. Yeah. But, you know, and and really good defense, just long and rangy. And, you know, when you put – and I made this point – I've made this point before. When you put Vanderbilt and McDaniels together on the court and on the defensive end, they're just – their length and their range and their ability to, like, you know, rotate on um, passes that are being, like, whisked around the the three-point line and Mm. how they they show or how they – in the situations when we do switch on the pick and roll, they can recover. It's just – uh, that value and like how that I think contributes to our overall defensive prowess. It was a big reason why we won last night. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, and, and McDaniels, had, I think, had a couple of big plays down the stretch on the defensive end. He, too, was pretty light in the stat sheet. What Was it six points, yep. three rebounds, only took six shots? But yep. he he did he showed up. He showed up in the way that Jade McDaniels does. So Yeah, he even that, got banged up a little bit during the game, too. So for him to kind of get nicked up and then work it out and come back in the game, he, was, he, he definitely showed up. He was ready. It's good to see from a young young buck. And I go back to Ty Lue, who talked a little bit about how much, you know, the, the movement and the action and the recovery on defense, which was what he was really impressed with. Um, mm-hmm. And those guys, by the way, you know, George did go off, but he he scored 34 points. He was a minus five plus minus, but he, he did it on 24 shots and they yeah. made him work. And he had that stretch in the third quarter, but in the last six or so minutes, like, you know, every shot he took was contested. There was a hand in his face yeah. anytime he was trying to get a ball off. And I think that, you know, that this continues to be like the, 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 the undercurrent of the season that doesn't get talked about enough is just how well Finch's teams play defense. Right. And it came through last night. We held the Clippers to 104 points, which allowed us to get enough points on the board with our best player on the bench to win. Yeah. It's amazing. Like <laughs> I would have, <laughs> I would have never thought a Wolves team to like play that way. Right. Like that just seems so like unlike us in previous years, but um, yeah, no, it's, it's super cool to see. And you, like, you can tell, like I, I don't know. Did you watch the uh, Hawks Hornets game today? I saw parts of the second quarter. Man, that that was it. I think like a high school team could have scored on either of those teams. Like the defense is atrocious, so it's just it. Yeah, it makes me really excited to see like where the Timberwolves can can go, even just to make a series competitive. Just because defensively, like they make some noise. It's not just an offensive team, even though we are like one of the top offensive teams in the league. So it's, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Hopefully Memphis is ready for us because I feel like it's not going to be an easy pass for them. Well, all right. So just before we jump to Memphis, Isaac, um, you know, the combination of, of Russell and Edwards stepping up, Beverly bringing Beverly stuff and intangibles and leadership, the defense, the young guys, I think doing the things that they needed to do in terms of their roles and we win the game. You know, some some clutch shooting down the stretch, some great defense, and the Timberwolves celebrated a little bit, you know. <laughs> and by a little we bit, I mean we are the champions. <laughs> and TNT, you know, we, in the, after the game, we we break to TNT, and we get all the comments from from Chuck, from Charles Barkley about you know Towns and his failures, and then you know they do this whole montage with. The Timberwolves, like Pat Bev taking off his jersey and jumping onto the scores table and Ant taking off his jersey. And basically, like, we over-celebrated last night's victory. Folks, like, Minnesota hasn't won a meaningful game in four years. And you could argue, you know, it's been almost 20. And, like, it. so was that, I mean, the point of sports is entertainment and the point of entertainment is distraction and enjoyment. And... To see the players celebrate in that fashion, like, yeah, we haven't won anything, but we haven't ever won anything. Yeah. So, like, in a way, for this team in this place who doubled their victories and are now going on to the playoffs, like, I'm like, let, let the guys have some fun. And you know what? When, Mem- when we, 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 we have to go to Memphis this Saturday, like, it's going to be work and it's going to be business again. 
but I just I'm I'm kind of I'm kind of over the TNT shtick. I really am. Yeah. Like those guys, like the way that they tear apart like this new generation of players, and they've always got these narratives. And, we, and what, what did you say last night? You just said they just need to shut their mouths. Yeah, Why? they need to stop talking about the wolves. Yeah, they just. I mean, well, they they don't they don't know the narrative whatsoever, and they don't know anything about how this team plays. Like one of the, one of their issues was with. Uh, how like Chris Finch kept Cat into the game, and like yeah, maybe that's maybe he'll learn like not to do that. But also, if you were watching the Wolves at all this year, like he's been doing that the whole year, and that's just part of his philosophy. It's like if my stars on the bench, and say my team goes behind by twenty points, you know, then that game's already lost. So what's the point if he either doesn't foul out or if he falls out by like? the start of the fourth quarter and we're still in the game. Now we have a chance versus, you know, the other way around, um, which, you know, I think it's kind of a genius idea. Now it backfired. Um, but that, I feel like that can't be completely on Finch because cat just like, we've already talked about it at length. Like cat made a lot of boneheaded moves that his falls were just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, in terms of the celebration, like, I think it was excessive. I really do. Like I would I would agree with anyone who said that. But at the same time, like I don't think anyone really understands this team either. Like we're a team made up of like castoffs and nobodies and people who, you know, are constantly ragged on. Like Cat, like he's soft, which okay, he didn't back it up in this game. Like he definitely looked soft in this game. But you got Malik Beasley, who was a throwaway by the Denver Nuggets. Uh you got Nas Reed who came in undrafted. You know, completely unproven. Jared Vanderbilt, you know, was like a nobody on the Denver Nuggets. He wasn't even really seeing minutes, and nobody thought like he was going to really turn into anything. And here he is, is like this. You know, you you said it, Dennis Rodman light. Um, you got Anthony Edwards, who's like you know a young player, still proving himself. Jaden McDaniel's like was a castaway at Washington. Like he kind of like got into trouble at school there and stuff, and like you know he had some personal issues. Um, Tarian Prince. He was on a team with KD at Brooklyn, but he was a castaway because they wanted, you know, other different players. D'Angelo Russell, okay, LA Lakers. He was thrown away because of whatever he did to Swaggy P. We don't need to remember that. But then he was again thrown away with Brooklyn because KD and Kyrie were coming in. And then you could say again, like, with Golden State, but, you know, Golden State was just trying for transactional stuff there. Um, Patrick Beverly like thrown away by the Clippers. Like for me, like Patrick Beverly celebrating like he did with this game, I get it. The Clippers did not want to pay him. They thought he was done. He wasn't worth the money. They kind of just, you know, they got rid of him. So for him to beat this old team that he wanted to still be on, he wanted to compete for and to prove that he still got it. Like, heck yeah. So like you go, you go up and down the roster and it's like all these players are unproven or they've been given up on or, you know, people say this and that terrible things about them that, that they're you know not, not ever going to rise to the occasion. And then they do. It's just kind of like, to me, it's like them saying like, you know, F you to everyone who didn't believe in us. So we're going to celebrate how we feel about, like we can celebrate. Well, Isaac, I will say this. Amen and hallelujah. <laughs> I yeah, will sorry, also was, say this. No, 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 I, I was. I will also say this. Rant sesh. Um, <laughs> Bring it back. 
outside of winning a championship or maybe getting into the finals, like in terms of the purity of the fan experience, like you're really, and I felt this last night, you're not going to get better than this team because the expectations aren't there. As you said, all these guys are unproven or they're young or they're castaways and they're trying to prove something and we're watching them do it. And I don't know if we're going to beat Memphis. I think we can. Actually, I'm predicting that we will. But your first, um, it like you just like once you go up against the beast of expectations, it's a different. It's not a. It's it's a different fan experience. I'm not saying it's better or worse. I'm just saying the purity of this is yeah. something that I think that we've got to stop and, and smell the roses and enjoy it yeah. because we haven't been there. This group hasn't been there. In fact. Just over a year ago, a year and two months, like we were seven and twenty-four, like mired in 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 low expectations and a team that was going nowhere. And now I'm talking like we can beat the number two seed in the West. <laughs> and this is despite, you know, Towns are you know the, the best player on the team not playing well last night, but that's why I think this is right. a team. Right. It's and not just cat. Neither on offense nor on defense. And that's well. why I think we've got a shot. No, I mean, I mean, Cat's defense has improved, but I mean, like, yeah. we've, we've. So, anyhow, well, with that, I think we've recapped last night's game exceptionally well, Isaac. I think the just the way that we've approached this conversation, I can see that we're both excited about what's coming on Saturday. Yeah. And, you know, maybe if we're down 2 0, some of that um, shine will begin to not shine. <laughs> <laughs> Well but, put. <laughs> <laughs> but with that, let's take a little bit of a break here, fill up our cups, and we'll talk. A little, we'll do a little ten-minute preview on the Memphis series. All right, and we're back from break. And Isaac, as we wrapped up our section on last night's game, that means that our Timberwolves are going to be taking on the Grizzlies. In Memphis on Saturday at 2.30 p.m. So the number seven seed gets out of the play-in tournament, and we are matched up against the 56-26 and 26 Memphis Grizzlies, who tied um, their franchise record for the most wins in a single season, tying the 2012-2013 version of Memphis, led, of course, by John Morant. So what do you see in terms of this 2-7 matchup in the, in the NBA's Western Conference? A ton of similarities, basically strength versus strength. Um, both pretty young teams going at it. Um, high pace. I think Memphis is third in pace and we're first. So it's going to be a quick game unless they decide to slow it down for the playoffs for some reason. Um, and just high scoring, high scoring teams, high scoring games, uh, which is kind of crazy too because like um, may, maybe, it, maybe it won't be such because... Uh, Memphis is a pretty solid defensive team, and then we're a pretty scrappy um, defensive team. Um, so maybe the scoring won't be as high as I think, but um, based on what we've seen, these offenses can really get it going, and we're going to run, 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 run. So I think it's going to be just a complete, like, youthful <laughs> bloodbath. That sounds terrible. Um, don't write that. A food that. fight. Finch, yeah. Finch called it a food fight. Yeah, it's a food fight. I guess that's that's... That's a little easier to say. Yeah. That's that's a very good explanation of what it's going to be. Um, so I think it'll be like just kind of a shootout. 
That's where I'm going with it. Yeah, I, you know, you don't see this kind of matchup all that often in the playoffs because the playoffs usually the higher seeded team, even in the first round, you know, has, has been there and has done that. Mm-hmm. And neither of these teams have really been there or done that. And so even though Memphis has a pretty high seed this year, they're as untested as we are. And yeah. I know a lot of pundits across the the, the, le- the um, country who follow the NBA were like hoping that the Clippers would win so that the Memphis Grizzlies could like test their medal against a team that's been there. Well, guess what, mother effers? <laughs> the Timberwolves tested their medal against a team that's been there and took them down. Let's and go. so now you got these two teams, as you said. So there, what I see in their similarities, I see the youth, the athleticism, a kind of a new coach who hasn't been there before either, but who no. seems to be really good. Um, they, We both have some really great young guys at the top of our team. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think both fan bases are pretty hungry. I mean, Memphis, no. it's been a decade almost. For the Timberwolves, it's been two I mean, before, since we were like legitimate contenders. And um, I just think that these fan bases in both cities are going to be off the charts in terms of the fan experience. And I think that, you know, you're right. Like both we're number one and number two, I think you said in points per game and number one and number three in pace. And yet we're both really uh, quite solid defensively, eighth and 11th, I think you said, right? Uh, Fourth and... Fourth and thirteenth points per game allowed or defensive efficiency, defensive rating. Yeah, so they, I think the difference between, I mean, they've got ten more wins than we do. Yeah. However, the Timberwolves started the season sixteen and twenty, which means we are thirty and sixteen in our last forty-six games, which more or less mirrors um, Memphis's performance. So, you know, I. Here's a couple of things that I like about the Timberwolves in terms of an advantage. Number one, we have more experience. We got D'Lo. I mean, not necessarily in the playoff, but in guys that have been in the league. Um, D'Lo and Cat are in their seventh year. Pat Bev, mm-hmm. you know, he's 33. He's in his 11th year, I believe. And he's been in deep runs in the playoffs. And nobody on Memphis outside of Steven Adams has really sniffed this level. So, again, I'm not sure that I'm not sure that the number of years in the league is going to translate to effective play in the first round of the NBA playoffs. But, you know, having guys that are 26, 27, that have been around for a while might make a difference. Yeah, definitely. I mean, this, I, I just, this series is, is a lot different from what we maybe witnessed in 2018. Like, I feel like going to that series, it was like no hope. Like whoever faced Houston in the first round is kind of they're screwed. Um, but going into this game, it's like yes, Memphis is the favorite, and they should be. And chances are they'll probably win. Just I mean, they have the best player in the game or in in like the matchup. Um, but given what we've seen during the season, like these teams match up really well against each other, so. It could it could sway one way or the other, or the other, and especially if like home courts come into play, um, it I think it 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 could be it could be a, a seven game series. What do you think? Yes, I mean I think it go I, I think it could be a competitive five game series, and I think it could easily go to six or seven. 
I John Moran is the best player on yep. the but this this is what I wondered. John Morant's in his third year. He was drafted uh was it second in 2019? Mm-hmm. Anthony Edwards was drafted first in 2020. I kind of wonder if the John Morant is better narrative. The John Morant like is it, like if we're gonna see a version of Ant in this series where he feels like this is two young guys going you know toe to toe, and like I'm not saying that's gonna end in a draw. But I wouldn't be surprised after what I saw last night and what I've seen all season from Ant. Granted, I think there's going to be a little inconsistency across the series. But if he didn't have two or three games where we're like, I'm not so sure John Morant's the best player on the court. Um, and, you know, the national audience doesn't see it that way. But I think the Timberwolves fans that have watched Ant all year. And then you begin to wonder, oh, hi, Crystal. <laughs> Crystal, of course, um, for our audience is. Uh, Isaac's cat. cat. Yeah, That's my cat. Yeah, she's made a couple of uh, token appearances, but so yeah, I, she, I, she wants me to get off this podcast, is what she's saying. But by the end of the series, that's the question I wonder if we're asking ourselves. Because at this point, I would not make that claim. But yeah. he he surprised me last night, and yeah. he surprised he's um, the other surprised, thing surprised in all the good ways, like because I mean. It's good we didn't go into that with ex- expectations that Ant was going to lead, you know, lead the team completely, and then possibly come out disappointed. Say if he showed up like Cat, but we figured, yeah, he's good for you know close to twenty, right? But instead, he took it to the next level, and he was like between him and D'Lo, like he was the guy. How much did you study the the, the Grizzlies? I mean, in terms just in terms of their. What jumped out to you about them outside of, you know, um, their offensive efficiency? And we know Morant because, you know, really, if you think about Memphis, outside of Memphis fans, there's not a lot of guys that are recognizable. Yeah. John Morant makes the highlight reels on, on Twitter. But, you know, you go from Dylan Brooks to Desmond Bain, even Jaron Jackson Jr., DeAnthony Melton, Brandon Clark, hell, Tyus Jones. Who, by the way, Minnesota boy. By the way, Tyus Jones. I this is this is the stat that jumped out to me. Assist to turnover ratio seven point five to one this year. Why does that jump out to you? That's pretty normal for him, isn't it? It, it used to be around four or five to one, but it, I mean, when you have better what? scores, he, he takes care of the ball, and you yeah, know he that's. Does. So why 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 do you think this team is twenty and four without their best player? Well, I guess it's because they play really good defense. I didn't even know they were that good of a defensive team, to be honest. So, well, yeah, to see their their fourth in defensive rating um, was a huge shock to me. I guess I wouldn't even guess they were in the top ten. Um, I feel like the narrative I've heard on them is that they can't really guard any guards. So I feel like a team that's in the top five defensive rating, like you must be doing something all right um, against even guards. So. Um, yeah, they just must have a really good like team defensive scheme, and then they have guys who can step up when their big scorers aren't around because they've been winning just fine without Ja, which is crazy. Yeah, and that's what scares me. Like, like I think their depth. Um, I think we're gonna learn a lot about these guys that you know most NBA fans probably have never heard of or heard very little of. Um, 
But that's that's again like that's the same thing with the wolves. Like right. you know, Jared Vanderbilt, even Anthony Edwards is, you know, for the most part, in terms of the public consciousness, is a guy that nobody knows. He's twenty years old. Um Nas Reed, even Malik Beasley, like so, but yeah. you know, I think uh so two things I'll say. You know, Bill Simmons made the point in the podcast, the reactionary podcast last night that like this Timberwolves team kinda kinda has a lot of guys that belong in a playoff series. Yeah. And 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 so do the Grizzlies. And then KOC made the point that like our defense, so um the thing that we've been talking about all year in terms of our pick and roll defense, he said that <laughs> Or he made the point that the Timberwolves, on average, we we blitz pick and roll um, offense fifteen times a game or more, which is number mm-hmm. one in the NBA. Meaning, we're not switching, we're not dropping. Oh, thank the we're, Lord! We're showing hard, and like yeah. guys, like you show hard, and then like the 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 tall man stays with the tall man, and then the guard stays with the guard. So the Timberwolves, Isaac, in terms of pick and roll defense, as you know, under Saunders. It was all about drop defense. Ugh. You you can also switch, which we do do sometimes yeah. and recover. But we blitz, you know, which is like a, a very aggressive show from the center or from the power forward. And then like you basically stay with your man 15 times or more per game, which is number one in the NBA. Um, the Grizzlies, against that kind of defense, are only averaging 0.8 points per possession. Yeah. And so like this is one of the things, you know, that KOC on the Ringer podcast mentioned that like, you know, is John Morant healthy? And if he's healthy, is he in a position to solve that problem? And and I don't know if our defense right. is good enough to shut them down in terms of their depth, but that is one of the things that I like. Like like Finch, the reason that we're what did you say, thirteenth or eleventh or thirteenth like, in defensive rating? We're in the top half. And and at the beginning yeah. of the year, like we were like just give us number 20. <laughs> yeah. So that also gives me some um, fortitude in terms of how I'm approaching this series as a fan. They weren't just talking about that, just Memphis's offense, though. They were talking about that, like, directly how John Morant handles it, though, right? Like, his, his points per possession on plays that are blitzed are, like, a lot lower compared to something normal. So it's like not only how Memphis f- figures it out, but can Ja himself like figure it out and be able to be just as like explosive um, with a team doing that to him for you know a series. Well, I think it's going to come down to the adjustments and the adjustments to the adjustment, right? You know, and like last night, the one thing about a one-game game is that like you kind of saw like three or four adjustments throughout the game, but like I am really interested to see how our team responds in a series when it becomes, you know, less about emotion and physicality and more about cerebral approaches in games like four or five, six and seven. Like what, what are you doing to combat what they did to you after what you did to them? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Being less little chess match. We'll see if uh, the Wolves are any good at that. New test. A new test. A new test. So, all right. Um, Isaac. What's your, what's your prediction? Okay, so you asked me my prediction. I'm taking the Wolves in seven. 
You know, Ooh. I, is, that a, I, is, that a, is that a Homer pick? No. <laughs> no. I think that this team has depth. I think we play well defensively. You know, Towns did not play great last night, but Towns is going to show up. Yeah. And 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 when what I saw last night really heartens me in the sense that this team can be down a guy, and our bench steps up, and I believe in this team's ability to make the kind of plays defensively that we need in order to stay in games, and the talent that we have on offense across at least three guys. And then some other shot makers, because you know Beasley's going to come in and have a couple of 20 or 30-point games yeah. that can turn a series. And so I, I, I legitimately think that the Timberwolves can beat the Grizzlies. Yeah. How about you? I, I like it. I, 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 I get to a Game 7, and I, I really do think this is going to be a long series. It's going to be hard fought. It's going to be really close the entire way. Um, but... I guess I would just give the leg up to the team that's got the best player on the court. And I, I, I just, I, I think it'll be Memphis in seven. Um, I just think they have a, a teeny bit more than we do all together as the whole package. So I, I take, I take John Morant playing big and taking it in seven. That's fair. As much as it hurts me to say it. No, that's fair. John Morant is the best player on the court going into the series. I wonder if Anthony Edwards isn't the best player on the court coming out of the series. Well, if we win in seven. Wolves in seven. What? Wolves in seven. <laughs> Wolves in seven. <laughs> Careful. We might have another championship celebration after the first round if we win. So. <laughs> well, it should. You know what? Here's the thing. Whether you know, and 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 I'm cheering hard for us to win. Whether we win or lose, we're here. Yeah. I think we've already won, but yeah. I am not going to settle for that mentality. This because windows windows in the NBA they close fast, and yeah. when you have an opportunity, and we do, like this is not 2018, as you said, we have an opportunity to compete, and if you have an opportunity to compete, you have an opportunity to win, and if you have yeah. an opportunity to win, you have to go for it. So, right. let's go Wolves. Let's go Wolves. Oh! All right, Isaac. As you always do, please do us the honor and, and take us out tonight. <laughs> Sounds good, cuz. Yeah, thank you for listening. And uh, have a great Easter, everyone. Um, and stay safe out there. <laughs>